When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association with OleOle.com uh, and details of some uh, interesting OleOle stuff uh, to come between now and the end. Uh, you might notice that, uh, <clears throat> yeah, my voice is a bit gone, you see. And for those of you tuning in um, for, um, I don't know, some of the funny bits and, and what have you that, that usually crop up on the Arscast, I'm afraid there aren't any. None at all. No man in the bar. No little skits, no little sketches, no. Li- I just haven't had time since I got back from Spain. I'm very, very sorry. And I seem to have caught what appears to be the plague uh, on the airplane. You know the way all this recirculated air goes around the place? Well, they obviously had like a bunch of plague people um, at the back of the plane going <coughs> and coughing their germs everywhere. But I do have, um, yes. A delicious healing beer, Spanish beer, San Miguel, in a can. You can't get the bottles over here. Um, so, yeah, there is that. But uh, in place of that, we do have um, Amy Lawrence. <clears throat> Jesus, sorry about this. Uh, Amy Lawrence from The Observer. And uh, we'll be talking about, um, you know, stuff and Arsenal and, and all that kind of crap with her. So since the last Arscast, what's been happening? Well, well, I went on holidays, which was good. I sat around in the sun and drank beer. And then when I couldn't drink any more beer, uh, I ate some food. And then when I couldn't eat any more food, I drank some rum and Coke, which was good. Uh, rum and Coke is just a great drink to sit around in the in the heat, especially in the evenings. It was very, very hot, I have to say, in Valencia, 36, 37 degrees some of the days. And my poor Irish forehead not being used to the sun anymore. It was old and leathery when I lived in Barcelona because we had the summer every year, but it, it's it's sort of peeling a bit. And of course, while I was away, Tom was in charge of the blog and all jolly good it was too. I was tempted some of the days to try and, and get first arse, but uh, then I realized I, you know, just couldn't be bothered. Um, so that was it. Um, I did manage to catch the game against uh, PSG in the Emirates Cup. Um, which involved sort of looking on the internet to find Irish bars. And I knew where there was one Irish bar in Valencia. And um, I sort of had a look for another one. And, and they seemed to be two in fairly close proximity. So we walked down from the apartment in good time to get there for the kickoff. And um, I suppose it was about 25 minutes walk. And um, got there and the Irish bar was closed. We're open at six o'clock, they said. Well, a little note on, on the door. So then we went over to the other Irish bar. And it was closed. I think it's closed down. I think it was called the Black Sheep um, in Valencia, if anyone knows that. It's closed. It didn't open at all. Uh, so then we went back to wait for the other Irish bar to open, so at least we could see the second half. And 
took a wander down this little street and looked in a window of this quite cool and trendy bar. It was called the Nine Bar, um, just sort of off the Grand Via something something. And uh, yeah, there they were watching Arsenal and PSG on Canal Plus in this beautiful air-conditioned bar. So in I went. And in came Mrs. Bloggs as well uh, for some beers. So um, she sort of read magazines and I sat there and watched the football. We were really, really the only two people in the bar at that stage. So that was quite good. Um, Bentner scored a goal. Um, and he does look like a very big player. In physically, he's enormous, isn't he? He looks massive. And uh, uh, he scored a goal. And then who else scored a goal? Someone else. I can't remember. Oh, it was uh, Flamini, wasn't it? He scored the first goal and Bentner scored the second. Of course, they scored a goal. And Anyway, it was interesting just to see um, how the boys get on in preseason. And they won the game against Inter as well. A fantastic Robin van Persie goal um, sealing the win. I didn't see any of that, unfortunately, just, just the goals. So that, that was that. So the, the inaugural Emirates Cup belongs to Arsenal. Of course, there was uh, the Amsterdam tournament, the game last night, which we'll come to a, a little bit later on. But now, though, we'll um, we'll talk to Amy, will we? Yeah, why not? Amy Lawrence from The Observer. I spoke to her yesterday, and we spoke about uh, the squad, the Emirates Cup, uh, signings, um, and other things. So, have a listen. Now on the Icecast, it's a pleasure to welcome back The Observer's Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, the Emirates... Uh, tournament that took place last weekend um, dispelled a, a few worries that some fans might have had because there was an awful lot to be encouraged about, wasn't there? There was a lot to be encouraged about and funnily enough, one of the things that was encouraging, I thought, was even the fact that Arsenal could host a tournament of this nature and attract 110,000 or 120,000 people um, to the stadium in pre-season when it's been, by most people's estimation, quite a difficult summer is a really good sign for the club on a completely other level, which is not related to playing. And I think Mm. that's important, and that's something that they would have taken a lot of encouragement from as well. And a a, a lot of season ticket holders, I think, didn't go to the Emirates uh, Cup because you go a lot anyway, and it's a closed season and money's tight and so on. And to think that you can easily fill the stadium two days running on the back of a bad summer with a, a lot of regulars not there is fantastic news for the club on another level. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the playing side of things, uh, the winning of it was pretty much irrelevant, but the quality with which um, the team played, especially on the, on the Sunday against Inter, the tempo was really impressive. To keep up that kind of energy for, uh, for the 90 minutes, when some of them have played a bit the day before as well, and it was quite a good sign because sometimes pre-season games can be a bit laboured, like the Saturday game was against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and and I think there was some, you know, some positive performances. And in the light of Henri's leaving, you needed you needed a few players to step up. And the fact that it wasn't even just one player where you were, walked away thinking about. I mean, obviously Van Persie grabbed a lot of headlines, but I thought Bentner did very well on the Saturday as well. I thought Kieran Gibbs was a real eye-opener um, and showed how nice it is to actually play with a proper winger. <laughs> and uh, obviously Ebuay, who comes in for his fair share of stick from a lot of fans, did look a, a, a different player, I think, in um, uh, in, in the sort of right midfield role. And, and if he can keep, keep up a uh, uh, some consistency there, 
um, and really show, really learn how to be clever playing as a, playing on the wing rather than just slinging in a, a hopeful cross or a shot. You know, he needs to actually really learn to use his brain in that position. Then that's a very cheap answer to a very big problem. Okay, what about um, Alex Leb, who looked a different player in the middle than he does on the flanks? Yeah, I think I think Leb and Rosicki would both like to play in that position, um, and in a way Van Persie, and in a way Adebayor. I mean, everybody likes that kind of Bergkamp in the whole role, don't they? But it's been one of Arsenal's foibles for me that in the last few years he's he's tried to um, translate players from other positions into wingers. Um, I mean, he said the other day about Walcott being a winger. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's a bit difficult to tell at his age. Uh, but certainly, Haleb, Rosicki, uh, even Freddie before he came, even Pires before he came, they've never been wingers before. And I think when you look back at some of the, the really great great wingers, wingers who have been a feature of championship teams, going back to Geordie Armstrong and then Brian Marwood and Anders Limpar and Mark Overmars, those kind of real, authentic, uh, uh, wide players. It's, they win you leagues because they're so rare when you get it right. And I think on the telly the other day I was watching one of those uh, old shows about seasons past and seeing how effective Mark Overmars was in 98, just staggering. And I think that's what's, what Arsenal has lost a bit in the last few years especially since Pires left. Uh, and Pires, even though he wasn't a speedy winger in that kind of dynamic, old-fashioned sense of the word, he's one of the cleverest players to have ever played for Arsenal. And he had so much ability and so much... Oh, when did he ever lose the ball? You know, he was such a brainy player that the, the fact he wasn't the quickest meant he was still supremely effective playing on the wing. But on the whole, when you, when you ask a player who likes to play in the middle to go out there, maybe someone who's not blessed with pace, it's a struggle. And I think last season... Herman Rosicki was it was disappointing not to get um, the maximum out of them and they probably would be, admit to being a bit disappointed themselves and either they've got to learn like a Perez or like we hope an Eberway will do to really master that position or it doesn't work and you've got to buy a proper winger Okay well the the question there then is who really is out there? Because you talk about Overmars and Limpar and Pires and, and guys like this, but there doesn't really seem to be anybody on the market who has that kind of uh, ability or potential. Mm, I agree, and that's why it's, it's a, it is a problem there, and that's why Arsenal's probably not alone in trying to make players play that position when it's not necessarily where they would have automatically chosen to play. Um, but again, it's it's interesting to have these options where... Uh, uh, not just Ebway, but even I think it's a bit early when you look at Clichy and, and um, Traore on the other flank who, who were paired together in the second half against Paris Saint-Germain. And that was interesting as well to look at as a, as a sort of possible option. I think it, it, you probably wouldn't be playing Traore week in, week out at his age um, at, at, at either left-back or left midfield and, and Clichy playing the other one. But it might be something that might work for the future. And then again, as we saw with Gibbs, he looked really promising as well. And what a nice sight it was to see a, a, a teenager like that rattling into Marco Materazzi and <laughs> smashing him off the ball. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. And, and it's considered a luxury position, but it shows all over the pitch what this team needs to do is really fight 
I mean, we know the young players have got skill. We know that they can all turn it on. But what what, what they have to show us this year is whether they've got the fight for it. Okay. Um, a lot of talk. Uh, we've seen uh, Clichy respond to Freddie's comments, and we've seen Robin van Persie talk about it, and Sesk talk about it. Is that the, the the focus now seems to be very very much on the team, and talking about Arsenal as a team rather than, um, as you put it there a couple of moments ago, Thierry and friends. Um, is that going to be important? Do you think? Massive. Um, the only way to compensate for. Uh, Losing a sort of iconic player like that, certainly if you don't manage to sort of bring in some some either body or bodies of similar stature, it's for everybody to rally together. And there's been so many cases in Arsenal's past and most of the successful seasons, there's always been an element of backs against the wall. And there's always been a very strong reaction to that. Um, you can go back to the unbeatables in 2004, you know, any time they were up against it and they just sort of, bit of siege mentality and, and really reacted as a team. Um, you know, that was the most fantastic example. That was a, fan, a wonderful, wonderful team, but uh, in terms of quality of play and individual players. But the, the camaraderie and the way that they played as a unit was fantastic. And that's what's been missing a little bit in the last couple of years. And as Arsenal always says, that sort of confidence and team spirit is... The, the, the hardest thing to gain and the easiest thing to lose. Um, and, you know, we, we have to see the kind of person... We know that Fabregas, for example, is a fantastic personality on the football pitch. Um, others have yet to show that on a regular basis they've really got personality to, to grab a game instead of just pass, pass, pass and wait for somebody else to make the difference. They've all got to have it in them. I can make the difference as well. I'm going to do it for my team. And obviously Van Persie showed that the other day, a great willingness for that as well. He's got that spark about him too. Clichy looked um, like a demon, uh, has a great enthusiasm and determination as well. But they all need to show it uh, from, from 1 to 11. And um, the ability and the willingness to fight for each other comes with games and comes with it being in experiences when their backs are against the wall. And if that started in pre-season by the fact that everybody's written them off and they've all got together and said, OK, now we're going to show them what we're made of, then that only augurs well. But let's remember that it's still, you know, you can get very excited about these things, but it's a very fragile situation that Arsenal are in because you are going to come up against some extremely experienced players, some very physical players and some typically premiership challenges. And... You know, we need to see from these players that they've learned enough to react in the right way. And that's whether they can do it or not. You know, do you want to make... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Make a bet on it. Do I want to make... say, isn't it? So we've all got to sit back and wait, really, and just hope that they, that they can show they're made of the right stuff. Yeah, okay. I mean, I suppose that the other thing as well is that, okay, the team spirit seems to be there and things are very encouraging. Um, the young players are determined. They're, they're going to fight, etc., etc. But you still get the, the feeling that the squad is very thin uh, or yeah. rather a bit too thin to challenge for the title. Um, obviously, with the money that's come into the club, the sales of Henri and Reyes and Ali Adier and Stokes and Muamba and all these guys that have gone out, Freddie's off the wage bill, Henri's wages are gone as well. There's got to be money there for the manager to spend. Uh, I suppose the, the, the important thing is for him to address the positions that we need um, uh, to be addressed, uh, which I'll let you uh, tell us what you think they are now in a minute, but as well to bring in players that are going to fit into the group uh, and not cause problems. Yeah, but it's not Arsene style to buy sort of Billy Big Boots players, really, is it? Sure. I mean, probably the last time he bought a player who came with a sort of massive reputation, in a way, was Davos Shuka, and that didn't really work out. But it wasn't a big deal, because it was only a million-pound signing or whatever. Mm. Um, I can't see him bringing in megastars that would upset the kind of balance of egos in the, in the team. Um, but... I do think that uh, uh, we are going to sign some new players, and I think the money is there. And people who don't, who, who seem to uh, present this image that Arsenal are completely cash-strapped, and that's why they're selling everybody. That is not what I hear. And when you talk to people, at, uh, uh, or you hear what people have to say that are in charge of the purse strings, I just think it's not true that it's all, that the finances of the club are. are very, very cash-strapped. So the money is there for Arsene, and it's how he chooses to spend it. And I would expect him to bring in one or two more players before the season starts, because I think this squad does look like it needs bodies. We've got to remember the African Cup of Nations coming along and is going to take Colo Torre, Emmanuel Adebayor, and Emmanuel Eberwe out of the team. And um, that could be kind of nightmarish, really, if they're all playing important roles which you'd expect them to do mm. um, so you need cover in those areas uh, plus I think there are weaknesses anyway um, uh, there still remains a big question mark about the aerial ability of the defenders uh, and, uh, and I think that's something that could it wouldn't be a problem if that was addressed there's still an issue about centre forward and um, lots of people are saying Van Persie's the new Thierry Henry I heard that 
on one of the radio stations this morning and you think, well, hang on a sec, you know, like, he's a terrific player, Van Persie, but it's, he isn't an Henri. And the ideal scenario is that you've got a real predator somewhere else in the team and that Van Persie is the auxiliary striker, you know, the, the guy with the free role and the talent to unlock difficult games, because he is a, a, occasionally an inconsistent performer. Um, uh, so whether Eduardo is the answer to that remains to be seen. And again, of course, I'd go back to the winger question and say that the left wing is really vital. If, if, if Eduardo can take the right wing position on, then that's, you know, going to be good news. Um, but the left wing position is still up for question for me because unless Labor Rizitsky really grow into that position as Pires did, um, it, it, it means that that side of the pitch becomes much less dynamic. Um, and the other question is, Eduardo is possibly, uh, work permit permitting, um, going to fit in as a, a more of a, a left winger because he is terribly left-footed. And it's possible that actually that's where he ends up. And if that's the case, then buying another striker would make sense. Yeah, that's just some, that was something I thought about at the start. I know it's terrible to base your judgment on a, a YouTube video of a player, but he reminded me so much of Pires, the way he arrived late in the box and the type of goals that he scored. And it just struck me maybe that it might be easier to put Eduardo on the left and find another striker than it would be to uh, to try and find a, a, another left winger. Exactly. So we'll have to see what happens there. Okay, well, Amy, um, thanks a million, and we'll uh, look for less than 10 days to the new season uh, and to make some new signings. So we'll uh, hope Arsene gets his checkbook out in the meantime. Good stuff. All, All right. right. My thanks, as always, to Amy, and uh, she'll be back, hopefully, uh, with us on another Arsecast very, very soon. Now then, oleole.com, you know they're the sponsors of the Arsecast. Um, it is a football community website. They've also added a fantasy football game uh, for this season with some really, really good prizes. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's oleole.com forward slash fantasy football, all one word. So as well as being able to play, for example, in the English League, you pick your team from all the English League, there's also Italian, Spanish, French and German leagues. If those things are your particular bag, uh, but there is a European Super League, which I think is uh, quite unique uh, amongst fantasy football games, where you can pick a team from all those leagues, from England, Italy, Spain, France and Germany. And the prizes uh, are, are very, very good indeed. The winner of the European Super League will get for themselves a trip to uh, Vienna uh, for the final of the European Championships next season, uh, next uh, next summer indeed. Uh, flights, accommodation, match tickets for the final as well. Second place gets uh, to any top-class European club match of their choice uh, with match tickets and accommodation. As well as that, third place gets themselves a Sony PlayStation 3 along with the latest uh, Winning Eleven or Pro Evolution soccer games. Then there's football jerseys, there's merchandise and all kinds of things uh, in there as well. So um, you might want to click on there and pick yourself a team because you could end up uh, winning one of those great prizes. The uh, web address, of course, is oleole.com forward slash fantasy football. So um, get busy. Now then, um, right, what's left to talk about? Well, there is the, um, the Amsterdam tournament we played in last night. Eduardo de Silva scored his first goal for the club. Obviously, when I spoke to Amy yesterday, the work permit issue hadn't yet been resolved. Uh, I don't think there was any real danger of that being a problem. Uh, <clears throat> sorry about this. Uh, when you can get Alex Song a work permit for exceptional talent, 
you must surely be able to get one for Eduardo da Silva. Uh, neat little header inside the box. Um, didn't see any of the game, really, so I can't comment on, on the rest of it. A good win, though. I did see the other goal. Oh, Bentner scored again, didn't he? He did. Um, very nice finish, too, from a tight angle. Um, so there you go. 2-1 win over Nazio. Uh, and, of course, there are things that can be improved on. So while you don't want to get too carried away uh, by winning the Emirates Trophy... Um, you don't also, at the same time, want to read too much negativity into things that aren't quite um, 100% yet uh, at this stage of the season. So uh, it's what preseason is all about, getting yourself fine-tuned. Uh, there isn't a huge amount of time left for the fine-tuning, but still, you know, let's just chill out a bit. Signings, uh, I don't think uh, anything more has been said, but I think... I think that there's money to spend, as Amy said, and I think the money will be spent. Uh, she expects one or two to come in. I expect one or two to come in as well. Not just because she said it, but I was thinking that myself anyway. Yeah, I was. Uh, it just remains to be seen who Arsene is going to bring in, when he's going to bring them in. Obviously, the sooner they get uh, involved uh, in the team and the squad, the better. Um because it gives us more options. Uh, a wide player is something that I think we're really, really um, screaming out for. So if that's a, a position that can be addressed uh, as soon as possible, then fine. And possibly a striker too. I think with a wide midfielder and a striker, we could be bang on course um, for uh, a title shot. Uh, we might not quite make it this year, but I think we've got the, uh, we would have with those players on board, we would have more of a chance. Um, I do think the uh, the team spirit appears to be very good. The players are all uh, fighting for each other. Uh, they're all relatively young, um, mostly, apart from Jens and Gilberto. And uh, who's that other old guy? Gallas. Yeah, he's quite old. Um, but the rest of them are all young. So there you go. So we play uh, Ajax, I think, in the other game. In that tournament, I think it's on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes on. The kit, uh, last night. Now, the regular readers of the blog um, will know that I, I haven't been a fan of the white kit, the idea of it, or the execution of it. I think it's it's quite a nice kit, as football kits go, but it's not really an Arsenal kit. But compared to the thing that we had on last night, it's possibly the greatest football shirt I've ever seen in my life. That thing last night was fucking horrible, wasn't it? I mean, I really struggle to find anything Arsenal about the blue kits. When we wear a blue away kit, which I hate as well, I find it just doesn't say Arsenal to me. Yellow and blue does, and even the gold, you know, yeah. The white, definitely not Arsenal. But this is much less Arsenal than anything else. It's horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. The colours... The, the the stripes, the... Ugh, it's disgusting. And I think as the years go by, Nike are making more horrible kits. I mean, next season we'll probably get something in, you know, brown. Hindquarters brown is what we'll get. With a slightly lighter beige sleeve or something like that. I mean, would you be surprised now at this stage? We have white. We have that thing they wore last night. Where Where is left for Nike to go? I think they're. I think they're going right. You know what we'll do, right? We'll, we'll get a white kit together, right? You know the way they really hate Tottenham, so we'll get a white kit, and then we'll sort of how will we mark? Yeah, Herbert Chapman. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And then what about this like third kit? Oh, I don't know who beat them in the Champions League final. Barcelona. Okay, what color the Barcelona player? Yeah, we'll give them sort of Barcelona colors, except we'll make the stripes go the other way. Eh. 
I'm not buy it too, the fucking suckers. That's what they're doing. They're sitting around their offices just taking the piss. So next season when we have a brown kid with fucking green shorts and fucking, I don't know what color socks, then you'll know for sure that Nike are are up to no good. Oh, God. I, yeah, these kits make me want to drink more beer. It's the kit that makes me want to drink more beer, honestly. Hang on. Uh-oh, too much foam. Uh-oh, oh, oh, there it is. Okay, all right, it's all good, it's all good. Um, right, well, I mean, I think that's just about the size of it because there really isn't anything, you know, more to talk about. The boys are still in Holland. They've probably, you know, gone out this evening, found a little cafe, a little bit of a white widow. The more adventurous ones in the squad will find themselves an opium den and lie around like Sherlock Holmes, solving mysteries in their brain. That's how he solved all his mysteries, you know? Everyone thought it was, you know, great mind. But no, he just fucking got whacked out of it. And sort of, you know, visions and things and, you know, it's the only way. It's the way all great detectives work. It's why I could never have been a detective, I have to say. My razor-sharp brain is just, you know, I can't dull my senses like that. How could you possibly, do, you know? Uh, anyway, that's it. I have to go because it's uh, it's late. And I'm tired. I need to sleep. And my voice is... <clears throat> my voice... My voice is definitely going, and I have to work with it tomorrow, um, and it wouldn't be any good for me if I had no voice whatsoever to do my work with, you see. So there you go. Anyway, uh, until uh, next week's Irscast, talk to you all next week on the blog. Don't forget to check out the oleole.com fantasy football, and um, that's it. Have a good weekend. Bye. Hello. Now you know me. I'm not one to criticize, always trying to find the positives in every situation, but that arse blocker is a right lazy cunt, isn't he? The fucking slacker could at least have made one thing which might have been slightly funny. He says he's been too busy since he came back from Spain, but busy is hard to define is sitting around scratching his hole and playing Resident Evil 4 on the Nintendo Wii, busy. Is going off to play football, not just once, but twice, busy. Is working all day long on secret projects which he won't even tell me about so I can tell if they're really worth anything or if he's just taking the piss out of me, busy. I, cast listener, suspect he's taking the piss a bit here and quite frankly I think he deserves a kick in the bollocks. Unfortunately, the extendable foot attachment on my wheelchair is fucked, so if you see him, give him a kick from me. Then when he's down on the ground, pour a kettle of boiling water down his throat, rip up his fingernails and piss on his head. He deserves it. Oh yes. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 